Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. We're going to do a two-week series speaking about stewardship. Stewardship is so important in the time and age we live in. You know, for every irresponsible act, somebody responsible always pay the bill. Think about irresponsible in our nation. When somebody does irresponsible things, somebody responsible always have to pay the tab. Take up the responsibility. Look at children. We look at their irresponsible actions and then parents always have to take responsibility for those irresponsible actions. That's the essence of leadership, not as the world defines it. Leadership is taking up responsibility. You look at parents. What is parenthood? It's taking up responsibility. We are stewards, all of us. And we're going to look at the next two weeks. Today, I'm going to speak about generational stewardship. And next week, we're going to speak about financial stewardship, positional stewardship. I'm going to focus this morning on generational stewardship, which is a message that's very close to my heart. Why? Because I'm a beneficiary of that. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of my own story. And I'm thankful and grateful, not just to a mom and dad, but to an opa and an oma who served Jesus. And because of them, generations after them are serving God now. Because they did not just think about making money and farm. They also thought about spiritual inheritance and raising up a children that will serve God. I pray that you'll open up your heart this morning because I believe this message could literally, literally change the way you think about life, the way you wake up tomorrow morning, and the way you steward your time, your resources, and specifically your spirituality. We had a special moment dedicating these children to God. And there's a responsibility on these parents to raise these children in the ways of God. The only way that these children will one day be able to meet the Savior themselves is when these parents are raising their children, teaching them the ways of God, and that every individual comes to the place, according to John 3 verse 3, that they will become born again, that they would give their life to Jesus. As much as we want to raise children in a Christian home, it does not make them a Christian. As much as you are raised in a garage does not make you a car. Being raised in a Christian home is a privilege because you've been exposed to God. But you are only becoming a Christian when you are born into Christ, according to John 3 verse 3. Unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. John 1 verse 12 says, For all who receive God into their hearts, they are worthy to be called sons and daughters of God. You see, it's when we come to a place of the saving knowledge of Christ, we can easily raise people in Christian culture which does not make them Christian. It means they apply certain habits, traditions, and they do certain things, but it doesn't mean they have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in a living relationship with Jesus Christ, not just traditions that we hand over. And within that relationship, we hand over principles that we help them. So here's a a few questions I want you to ponder on as we speak this morning. Are Are you influencing the world or is the world influencing you? What are we building? What are we doing that will outlast you? Last year, we buried my dad in June last year, a year ago. 
and the memories of my mind about my dad. If it wasn't for him, I most probably would not have known Jesus. If it wasn't for the way he lived his life, I would maybe most probably not have stood here today. But because of a dad, and yes, he was not a pastor. He was a farmer. But he was a born-again farmer, and born-again farmers raise their children in the ways of God. Before they think about sheep and cattle, they think about their children. And I have that dad, but his dad raised him in that way. And I'm literally standing here as a sign and as a testimony of generational blessing. And that's the God we serve. I had a conversation with my youngest son's friend's dad one day. And uh, we were talking about just, he's, he's really busy and, and a high-profile business. And um, we're talking about things. And he said, they've employed just another guy now that's going to help. And, son. and I, my, I responded to him and says, wow, that is amazing that you will have more time so that you actually can get more to your family. And he said to me, no, I'm going to keep on the same hours because I'm busy preparing financial well-being for my children. And I walked away and I said to my wife, you can give your children millions but you cannot give them another dad. What you value the most is what you will wake up tomorrow morning prioritizing. What you value most will be the thing that you put your time and effort into, which you believe this is what I want to give somebody else because I value it. And if our values are wrong, we will leave a wrong legacy. Friends, it's important that you and I value the right things. That you and I have our mind set on the right things. Because this world will definitely, most definitely not teach you those things. And that's why church today is so vital. It's so important that we gather together. You know, when we talk about church and gathering and coming together. My friend Jackie in China, when I was in the Philippines a few weeks ago with our studies, we had an interview with Jackie who leads our churches in China. And he said the following, he said, for us it's normal. Persecution we've now embraced as normal. We know that we may lose our lives tomorrow. That's why we live every day with a full commitment to Christ. And then something he said that impacted me. He says, as we live in this nation, we realize the prosperity gospel does not work in China because nobody will give their lives for money. So it doesn't work in China. The only thing that works in China is the true gospel where people serve Jesus no matter what. There's something about generations. A lot of the people in my class study with me. Out of 36 people, 34 people, 19 are from different nations. Of which of those 19 nations, I think about 15 of them are first generation Christians. My friends in Vietnam, that is a first generation. That means he is the very first one ever to serve Jesus in all his family. He has not an oma and an opa. He does not have a grandfather. He does not have an uncle. And nobody that he can find and say, can you please advise me? I could call my dad. I can still call my mom. I can call friends. I can call you. I've got a network of relationships around me because of generational blessing. That has nobody. He's now building it in Vietnam. The same with Jack in China. Now they've got a network. The same with our friend in Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, all these places. You and I are privileged, and we can so easily see the privilege of living in a Christian culture that we slowly drift. And you see what happened in Europe. You've got beautiful churches, but there's no bodies inside. 
We have a responsibility how we live every day. And tomorrow as we go about our business, I hope this message changes the way you do business and the way you live your life. Theodore Roosevelt said the following, never throughout history has a man who lived a life of ease left a name worth remembering. I pray that that would not be you. Let's turn to the Bible in Psalm 78, verse one to eight. My main scripture is gonna be, give ear, O my people, to my teachings. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable and I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord, of His might, the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children not yet born, and arise, arise, arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and a rebellious generation, a generation whose hearts was not steadfast, whose spirits was not faithful to God. God bless his word. Father, I pray as we open up the word of God, Lord, would you motivate us? May we be a generation that has set our hope in God. And may we raise the generations after us that their hope will also be in God. In Jesus' name. You see, King David expressed a major concern not just for him serving God, but for the generations after him to serve God. And he expressed through this whole message that he's written here, how important it is that we think generational. I find so many Christians, when you speak to them, they think about their life, their decisions, and what's the result? It means after COVID, oh no, we're just gonna kind of watch TV on, uh, you know, church on TV. Okay, if that's what you do, what will your children do? And what will their children do? It takes you one generation, your children won't serve Jesus. The only thing that happened in Europe is one generation started to drift. The next generation drifted a little bit further and the third generation is post-Christianity. The way you and I commit, the way you and I understand and not allow the worlds and things and our comfort zones to pull us out of what things. See, comfort zone will never leave a legacy. It's when you and I live beyond our comfort zones that we can think about the next generation. If you look at the word of God, God is a generational God. If you open up your Bible, you open up a generational book. Literally, the Bible was written through generations. From the beginning, God said, let's make Adam and Eve in our image. And he says, and then we make them in our image and let them multiply. What's multiply? Having babies, but not just having babies and give them a work and give them clothes and give them education. No, can you multiply the image of God on their lives? May they look like God. May they speak like God. May they think like God. But that can't happen unless mommy and daddy thinks like God, follows God. Daddy, mommy, we do not replace responsibility in our kitchen. We just add value to your responsibility to raise your children in the ways of God. You read the Bible. Here's what, I don't know if you've ever seen this in Genesis. In the original text, you'll find there are 10 sections. And they usually start like this. This is the account of terror. And that's only six verses. 
And then after Terah, 13 chapters about his son, Abram. You find another one. This is the account of Isaac. Isaac, three verses. And then you find 11 chapters about his children, Esau and Jacob. This is the account of Jacob. You find one verse about Jacob. And then you find 14 chapters. So this will be the account of Stephen. This will be the account of Rossi. This will be the account of your account. What are we writing on the pages of the next generation is the question. How many chapters will be written? Not about me. See, when we ever want all the chapters to be written about me, you most probably will leave nothing for the generations to come. And we'll look at some of that as we continue. God has always been a God of the generations. So what is this Psalm 78 saying to us? It's speaking about our ability to receive. These two receivers, he says, open them up. Put on the right channel, channel eight. Open it up and listen. He says, give ear, O people. Incline your ear. Listen. A friend of ours, kid, ran up to a mommy one day and uh, Kind of mom did not give attention. She says, mommy, mommy, you listen not. You know, and sometimes, daddy, daddy, we have to listen. Jesus is calling us, listen. Take note, stop. Take note of your life and say, listen, open up your receivers to understand the divine revelation of God. And continuously says, the words of my mouth. You see, they did not have the Bible that you and I have, but they had narratives, they had stories, they had the real communication from one generation who heard God, experienced God, saw God, and they transferred it to the next, the spoken word, the rhema word that brings life into people's hearts. That's what we bring. We can easily bring just a dead book and say, read it, or we as parents and family could bring the life of Christ into people's lives, and it transforms their lives. It changes the way they think about things. It changes the way they live their lives. He's talking about the rhema word that brings change. He says, let's speak. How will we do this? We have to look back at the past, the dark sayings, and that dark is not evil. This dark sayings means these were the secrets of heaven that was unfolded in Adam's life, in Abram's life, in the next person's life. The deep secrets was unfolded. And many people have drifted from it and lost it. He says, let me remind you, take you back to that that we have known, it says, dark sayings, that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. Fathers, mothers, it's important that you hear and that you know so that you can transfer what you hear and what you know to the next generation. Genesis 1 verse 27, which I've quoted, let us make man in our image, in the image of God. And this is go and be fruitful. You look in Exodus 3, verse 14 to 15. Let me give you a quick context. God calls Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to deliver the people of Israel. Go to Pharaoh. Go to this vicious king who's been keeping these people in bondage for 400 years and just tell him to release the people. I tell you, you would also stutter like Moses. I would stutter like, uh, I can't speak. Go to Pharaoh and just say, release them. How's that going to happen? And Moses kind of turned to God. He knows God. He says, God, if I then go, suppose I obey you. How many people want to suppose I obey you? He says, if I go, what is the name that I would say to Pharaoh? 
What do I say to your people? And here's God's reply. God said to Moses, I am who I am. What's your name? I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. It's important you talk about a name. Because if I say, when I grew up, five, four brothers, one sister, we six. So when somebody calls you, you're always trying to discover who calls you. Because if my brothers, I'll come later. If my sister, I'll come later. If my dad, I come immediately. Because there's consequences. But if you listen to everybody, you'll do nothing. Because then this brother calls you and that brother. And I'm the second youngest, so they do chase you around. There's something about a name. Your name represents much more than just your name. Your name represents faithfulness. Your name represents humility. Your name represents the good and the bad. And here God comes, what's my name? And it's great, we want to say, he's the provider. He's the protector. There's so many names in the word of God that is the names of God. But why is God not saying the deliverer? Because they're going to be delivered. Why is he not using that name? Because that's the right name to help. God deliberately says, this is my name. I am. And when you use this name, and God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, by which I am to be remembered from one generation to the next. What is God saying? He's saying, Abram, you will die. And if you don't make sure that your generations know me, they will drift. And Jacob, you will die. And Isaac, you will die. And when all of you are gone, I am still here. Make sure the greatest investment you can do for your children is to put me in their hearts because you will surely die. And I won't. You see, why great I am? Because if I say St. Peter, you kind of think about generation. If I say Paul III, you think about a nation, a generation. When I say Nkosi, when I say, you know, um, Funzu, when I say Philip, when, you can almost kind of define where this person from, what language they speak, and I am. I am, you can't define. I am, you can't prescribe. Provider provides. Protector protects. I am, you can't describe, you can't prescribe, you can't manipulate. What God is saying, if you want to have a solid foundation as a born again believer, you do not tell God what he does and who he is. You submit to God. He does what he does because he is God. You don't define me. I am defined. So many Christians want to serve the God who provides, but they don't like the God who judge. It's the same God. We love the God who's gracious, but we don't like the God who kind of calls us to repentance. It's the same God. We can't serve aspects of God and reject the other parts of God. You either serve God or not. So many Christians read things. I see on Facebook, and they love it to promote certain aspects of God. He's a loving God. Yes, He's also a holy God. Yes, He's a gracious God. He's also a judge. We cannot communicate half-truths of God and expect our children to walk in the fullness of God. We have to communicate the fullness of God if we want them to walk in the fullness of God. You can go onto the Every Nation website and go and find Jackie's sermon that he preached in, um, 
in Nashville last week. His message was about living a sacrificial life. Do your favor, go and listen to it. The theology of suffering, which Jesus said you will go through, is part of our Christianity because we are so deeply rooted in Christ. Our responsibility, what is our response? Verse four, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord, his might, his wonders that he has done. He establishes a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children not yet born, and arise and tell them to their children. What is this passage saying to us? From what you and I receive, he says it's our responsibility now to give. It's our responsibility to give people what? We give them who God is. We tell them about God's deeds and God's might and God's wonder. Friends, we can easily transfer knowledge. We can easily transfer knowledge, but knowledge that does not affect our lives does not bring transformation. It's not about information. It's about transformation. It's more what, not what we know. It's what we become that is important. And he's saying, if you tell your children, may they know, may they see Jesus, may they read their Bibles, but not just read their Bibles, may the Bible become alive, that the Jesus of the Bible start to come out of the Bible into their souls. May the Holy Spirit of the Bible start to penetrate their hearts. May the God of the Bible become the God that they love and serve. And when they're at school and they face all kinds of challenges, may they turn to Jesus because Jesus is alive in their soul. That's what he's saying here. He's talking about the testimony what is a testimony in this context? In this context, a testimony is a witness between God and man. Can we trust God? Can we trust the Word of God that declares God's will and God's ways? What God expects from man and also God's promise and blessings. And here's the direct verse that explains the testimony of God. Psalm 19 verse 7 to 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Does anybody have a different verdict? A different conviction than the perfect God, the perfect word. See, the moment Satan wants you, he wants us to do what Adam and Eve, what happened to them. Did God say? The moment you doubt God, you cannot trust God anymore. It's not pure. It's not perfect. It's not, why would I transfer something that I don't value myself? God wants you and I to trust him, to believe in him, believe in his word. And that's what we transfer to the next generation. Gordon Nelson said, the ultimate test of a man's conscience may be his willingness to sacrifice something today for the future generations whose words of thanks will never be heard. May we be a generation that think about the children's children. May we raise, he's talking about, the scripture says, that you teach it your children and those not yet born, you're already mindful of them. 
I know that my dad was thinking about our children's children and the way he lived. And the way you and I live, the best thing we can do for people around us, our children, is to make sure our children's the highest priority above everything else. And then those we disciple is also the priority that how we lay foundation in their lives. The last part of this scripture says in verse 7, why do we do this? Whenever you see a so that, it's a purpose statement. Whenever in the Bible you read so that, it's a purpose statement. So that, hope in God. Why? Hope in God. It's not just tradition. It's hope in God. And not forget God's works. Not forget God's commandments. So that they should not be, and now he start, goes into a comparison. Be like what? Not be like fathers, like mothers, like generations who drifted from God, who became rebellious against God, who became stubborn against God, and work against it, and then you find ultimately their hearts are no more steadfast and they're no more faithful. Friends, faithfulness is not an idea. It's a lifestyle. Faithfulness is not an intention. It's an action. It's the way you and I wake up in the morning and what we commit to. The way we spend our time. The way we prioritize. For everything you say yes to, you're going to say no to something else. Make sure you say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. People say we don't have time. The only time you have no more time is when you die. While you're alive, you've got exactly the same time as the person next to you. 24 hours. You don't get more and you also don't have less. You always have time. Time is never your issue. Worship is. It's what you do with your time that matters. You have 24 hours. So where does it go wrong? Stubbornness, rebellion, listen to the few key signs we see in the Bible. Genesis 11 verse 4. Babel, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that, purpose statement, we can make a name for ourselves. You look at Absalom, David's son. David lived a life, but his son turned against his dad. Why? Because he said, it's not enough that my dad is king. I want to be the king. And he had pride of his own heart. He rebelled against his dad. And here's what happened with Solomon. Absalom, during his lifetime, Absalom had taken a pillar and erected it in the king's valley as a monument to himself. For he thought, I have no son to carry on the memory of my name. He named the pillar after himself, and it is called Absalom's monument till this day. Because he had no legacy, he built a monument unto himself. Don't let your company become the monument unto yourself. Don't let how you live your life become the monument unto yourself because he had no son. Well, that's not true. Samuel 2 verse 14. Three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. The daughter's name was Tamar, and she became a beautiful woman. He had children. There was no value to transfer to his children. The last example is Saul. Towards the end of Saul's life, he came to this place of arrogance where Absalom was in arrogance. Saul was insecure. Oh, they're going to forget me. They're going to forget me. And so the Bible says, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. 
There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. Here is a sad story of Saul because he did not have an inheritance in children and people behind him and leaving a legacy behind. He had to build a natural structure that will mark people remind, remember him. Benjamin Franklin said, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead, either write something worth re reading or do something worth writing. You and I have an opportunity to pass on the baton. We have the opportunity. What is it that we pass on? And I want to send you home with this. We pass on hope. We pass on the hope of God. From this passage, you see three things we pass on that's in this hope. We pass on the Word of God. We make sure that, what is the Word of God? The Word of God is the solid foundation of which you understand. When people have opinions, when things go wrong, when things go skew, when things happen around us, the Word of God is that we point to. Jesus said, it is written, Satan. He stood on the Word of God. You and I can have all kinds of opinions. Friends, the ultimate opinion is the Word of God. His commandments. The second thing that we find in hope, if you want to have children who have hope, is the Word of God. They can stand on the Word of God. They can read the Word of God. They can claim and stand on it and believe it. The second thing is the power of God, His deeds, His might, His work. May our children not just know about God. May they experience God. May they for themselves come to a saving knowledge of Christ. May they come to the sanctification power of God. May they pray for things and see God move so that their faith will not just be in the words of man, but it will be a personal conviction and experiences. There's no greater dream that you and I can have for our children. And the third thing is, from one generation to the next, we transfer the word of God, we transfer the power of God, but we also transfer the purposes of God. Mission. We are responsible. Why did we plant this church? Because we take responsibility to transfer what we have to you. Why do we make disciples in our church and not just facilitate Sunday services? But we have discipleship right through the week because we've taken up responsibility to transfer from one generation to the next, from one generation of Christians to the next, reaching those who do not know Jesus and help them to know Jesus so that they again in turn can reach their neighbors and their friends. That's the only way we'll change our nation. It's not through the government. It's through the church. God has called us to think about the next generation. I'll end with this quote. Chuck Polnick said, Polnick said, we all die. The goal is not to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. We all die. The goal is not to create a life for ourselves. The ultimate goal is that we create something that will outlive us. If you and I live in a way 100 years from now, when most of us will not be here anymore, what will be here? May God help us that we will not 100 years from now look like Europe. Right now we are planting churches in Europe. We are about to plant another church in Europe next year. You go throughout Europe you find beautiful people, but where's God? You find all the gender confusion, all the things. Where does it come from? It comes from the environments where God has been removed. The more we remove God, the more we as human beings become our own Savior and we can become confused. 
It's the word of God that saves us. It's the word of God that gives us hope. Here's my question to you. Apart from your generations and your children, how are you doing? How's your life? There's a God we hope in, friends. What are the offenses in your heart that you keep that keeps you away from spiritual growth? What is it that you've experienced that some of it was true in church, but because of that you can't commit to church and you keep yourself outside and you are robbing not just yourself, but generations to come. Today is that moment you say, Lord, I'm going to lay it down. I'm taking up the responsibility, first of all, to know you. Hope in God is relationship with God. I want to know your word. I want to know your power. And I want to know your, your miracles. I want to know the mission you've given me. Let's close our eyes. Father, thank you for every precious mom, every precious dad, every man, every woman in this place. You've called us to live a life that honors you. And Father, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. When we come to you, Father, and we recognize, hey, Lord, I need more of you. Lord, maybe I've missed it. Well, Lord, you know what? I want, to, I want to be more that. You are such a loving God, embracing our humility. God is not looking at any one of us to live a perfect life. He's looking at us to be humble enough to recognize we need Him. To recognize that He's right and we're wrong. To recognize that His word is absolute forever. And I'm not. That's why we want to serve the great I am. Lord, thank you for every person in this place. Why don't you just take a moment where you just still your spirit, still your heart. Holy Spirit, would you speak to every person? Would you encourage every person? Friends, I don't know where you are, where you're standing with God. But there's one hope in my heart that this message this morning will draw you closer to God and nothing else. There will, there will be a moment where you say, Lord, I want you. I want to know you. I want to be secure in you. And we can so easily try to find our security in the things of this world. It's the God of this world that we serve. He's the owner. If you're not sure that your life is right with God, if you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure if you had to die today, God forbid that, but if you had to die today, you're not sure that you will spend eternity with God. Don't miss this opportunity. It all starts with you surrendering your life to Christ. And if that is you, I want you just to help you acknowledge, Lord, I need you. I'm not sure I'm born again. I'm not sure my life is right with you. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody? I see that hand. Anybody else? This is a great moment. I see this hand here. See the hand in the back. This is not something to be shy. We never shy to meet the eternal creator of the universe. Anybody else? So Lord, I'm giving my life to you this day. I'm not going to postpone. This is really not to embarrass you. For those of you who raise your hands, would you be willing just to stand where you are? I want to pray with you. Just stand up, please. 
All of you raised your hands, just stand up and I want to ask the rest of you to just pray. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I give you my life this morning. From this day, I want to serve you. I acknowledge that I'm nothing without you. But in you, I have victory. Would you embrace me as your child today? And may I live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the greatest miracle known to man happen in their lives as they get born again. Their spirit become alive. They become hungry. They become curious. And they become devoted to you because of a rebirth taking place inside of them. Lord, we thank you as they even pray this prayer sincerely that something today will change that will change forever. Bless them. Thank you, Jesus, for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. I'm going to do another prayer for those of you standing here. Say, Lord, I am born again. But this morning I realize I need to live not just for myself, but for generations to come. And how God's going to journey with you, I don't know. But I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just stand up and I want to do a prayer for you. We say, Lord, I'm taking up the responsibility to live responsible. Not just for my children, but even the way I disciple, the way I live as a Christian life. Live responsible. Take up the responsibility to serve you and to give it away what I've received. Would you raise your hands and pray with me? Lord Jesus, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. Thank you that you're a generational God. That's why I'm here. And Lord, I'm taking up the responsibility for the generations to come out of my own family, but also spiritually, take up the responsibility to make you known, to make your ways and your will known to the people around us. Thank you that you empower me. Lord, I pray for every person standing. And Lord, even those sitting, Lord, I've already taken this responsibility. Would you empower us to live for you? Would you empower us, God, with a desire to serve you with all of our heart. Trust you, Lord God, no matter what. And Lord, unashamedly testify of you. Communicate, share, invite people to come and follow you. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash moikloof. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikloof. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.